Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. A prayer for the day. Dear God, so far today I've done all right. I haven't gossiped and I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been grumpy, nasty, or selfish. And I'm really glad of that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. (laughs) And from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot of help. Thank you. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. My name is Rick Thompson. I'm the pastor here. Um, As I thought about that little joke and what helps us in those areas, it has to be the byproduct of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? And the Bible calls it the fruit of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul told us what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. He said, but the Holy Spirit produces... This kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As I read that list, you can say to yourself, am I experiencing that in my life, or is that a foreign concept? He says, there is no law against these things. In other words, when God produces these things in in your life, if he produces love in your life, there's no law that says uh, 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 love is uh, against the law. You acting in love or you acting in kindness or self-control. How about that when we're driving up and down the road and someone cuts us off? Come on, somebody. Don't raise your hand. And so when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he helps us deal with what the Bible calls the works of the flesh, those things that we talked about. Now, I want you to take note that that list that he just gave us of the fruit of the Spirit, it count, it, the, the number of fruit that he identifies are, is nine. Nine fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, gentleness, and, and the like. And, and so in the same way, as we've been talking about, the Apostle Paul points out nine what we call grace gifts grace gifts or spiritual gifts that God made available to each and every one of us to help us to come into unity and maturity in our faith so that we can eventually conform to the image not of the pastor or the pope, thank God, but the image of Christ himself. Amen? God wants you to look, look like his son in the way we act and our demeanor. Now, Paul said about the spiritual gifts, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. I don't want you to be ignorant about what God has done and what God is doing. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, we've gone over it, but we're going to continue to go over it. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can do what? Help each other. Someone says, it's not just about me. It's not just about me. So he says, to one person, the Spirit gives the ability To do what? To give wise advice. We call that the word of wisdom. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. Let that sink in. And another, the ability to prophesy. What's prophecy? We'll talk about that but it's to foresee the future. 
He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. We call that the discernment of spirits. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. In other words, you're not going to say, I want that one, I want that one. He has the last. You can say you want it, but he has the last say as to who gets it. And so far, we touched on or covered several of the nine. We call them charismatic, charismatic or grace gifts. And we call them grace gifts because you can't earn them. <laughs> Just like salvation, you're not going to say, you know, God owes me this. So God pours them out as he sees fit according to his grace and mercy toward us. Now, I shared briefly in the first message my testimony around tongues and the interpretation of tongues. We're probably touching that again. But the end of the day is how I still believe that God is still doing the same things today. Amen? We've talked about the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. And last week, we talked about great faith, great faith. And what it looks like and, and, and how it's manifested in, in someone's life. Well, today we're going to take that next list on the list, the gift of healings and the gift of the working of miracles that he says he's also poured out on his church. What are they? What do they do? Well, let's start with the last one first, the working of miracles. You can write this down. The working of miracles is an intervention in the natural universe by God. It's a phenomena that transcends natural laws. And it's a divine act by which God reveals himself to people. I'm going to say it again. An intervention in the natural universe by God, a phenomena that transcends natural laws, and a divine act by which God reveals himself to people. Did you get all that? And so some good examples of actual miracles from the Bible, we can see that Jesus and the apostles, we see, we see him healing and casting out demons out of people. Folks, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. When, when, when someone who's crippled from birth get, gets healed, that's a miracle. If someone who's blind from birth and they're 40-something years old when Jesus comes along and all of a sudden they can see, that's a miracle, and, and God will do creative miracles to, to, allow, uh, milk, uh, to allow people to see and to, and to show people who he is. Discernment of spirits helps us detect the presence of a spirit, and we'll talk about that as we get on that one. But the casting out of the spirit, that's a miracle. That's the finger of God we're going to see in Luke chapter 11, verse 14. He says this, one day Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. And when the demon was gone, the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed, but some of them said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Others trying to test Jesus demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. Verse 17, and he knew their thoughts, so he said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed, and a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. 
Let that sink in just for a moment. You say I'm empowered by Satan, but if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how, how can his kingdom survive? And if I'm empowered by Satan, what about your exorcists? They cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you've said. But if I am casting out demons by the power of God, one translation says by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Let that sink in. For when a strong man like Satan is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings. My question to you this morning who is the someone even stronger than Satan? Come on, somebody. Did, did, did you all catch that? Who is the one stronger than Satan? Amen. And so he's talking about God and the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of his believers. And that's a miracle. There are other miracles that we see in the Bible. How I many you know it's not every day that, that water gets turned into wine? Jesus did that at the wedding of, Can of Cana. Jesus fed 5,000 people by multiplying five loaves of bread and two fish. God parts the Red Sea for Moses and the children of Israel go through on dry land while their enemies get swallowed up. Daniel not being eaten by the lions, the hungry lions in the lion's den, that's a miracle. Peter walking on water by faith as well, that's a miracle. And so if you study the Bible very carefully from start to finish, it's literally one miracle after another with both God and the Father and Jesus, his son. And, from, and, and in the beginning, it says God created the heavens and the earth, saying, let there be light. And what happened? Light appears in the waters and the dry lands were separated. He created birds and animals and man. Jesus comes along and he does what? He heals the sick. He raises the dead. And he rises from the grave himself. It's all miracles. Truth is, our, uh, our God is a miracle-working God. And he has the ability to go against even the natural order of things. Do you believe that? And he still loves to do miracles in the lives of his people today. The Bible says about God, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord... I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Hebrew 13, 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let that sink in. Folks, God doesn't change. He doesn't change. If he was working miracles yesterday, how many know he still has the ability to work them today? He hasn't lost his power. He's not getting too old for the job. Come on, somebody. In fact, he, he included it with his nine grace gifts in terms of what he's poured out on the church. He says, I've given people the ability to work miracles. And in so doing, God is trying to tell all of us that he still wants to do them. Even in the jaded and skeptical times that we're now currently living in. And remember, the Bible tells us that absolutely nothing is impossible for God. Nothing means nothing. There's no object too big or, or, or giant too tall. There's nothing that God cannot do. Amen? Which, will, which includes divine miracles on his behalf if he wants them to perform, us, to perform them through us toward other people. Another gift that God 
uh, Paul listed is the gift of healing, the gift of healing. And that serves as human intermediaries through whom it pleases God to cure illness and restore health. Let me say that again. Serves as human intermediaries through whom it pleases God to cure illnesses and, and restore health. Another definition is supernatural enablements given to a believer to minister various kinds of healing and restoration to individuals through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, that, that's only one of several ways that God heals, but that's what we're going to be talking about today, the gift of healing. As I know that healing sometimes is a touchy subject, especially in the church today, but we can see that in the Bible, the Bible teaches that God is a healer, and he is. But as, I, but as I've said before, the truth is it seems that there's not a week that goes by that me as your pastor, I, I get called. I get called for people who are in need of prayer. I was walking around today, just today, just this morning, and people pull me out and say, Pastor, can you please pray for so-and-so because this and this, this and that is going on. I'm visiting people in the hospital. Many times people have these prognoses that are, that are bleak. They've got in, inoperable things taking place in their lives. And in those times, listen to me, their heart cry isn't, Pastor, can God heal me? Will he heal me? That is the question that's on the heart of many people. And we talked about that last week. Well, Psalms 103 speaks to that question. Obviously, from the point of view of someone who's come out on the other side of a trial and a sickness. And this is what the psalmist said in Psalms 103, 2 and 3. He says, praise the Lord, I tell myself. Now, come on, somebody. How many of you know sometimes you got to talk to yourself? Sometimes you got to encourage yourself in what's going on in your life. And he tells us why. He says, this is what you can do. He says, and I never forget the good things God has done for me. How important is that? Because when affliction or something comes in your life, what's the temptation? What does the enemy do? He starts talking nonsense. Something you've done or, or, or you're not going to make it through this trial or, 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 or just negative stuff starts going through your mind. And so the psalmist says, first of all, he says, I praise the Lord and I talk to myself. And then I never forget the good things God has done for me. Has God done anything good for anybody in the house today? Not ashamed to say that your God is good and that he's brought you through some things. And that you should remember the things that he's brought you through because if he did it to yesterday, he can do it again today. And you're still here today, right? Take a deep breath. All right, pause, pause. Are you still on this side of the grave? Turn to someone and say, he's still working it out. <laughs> Amen. He forgives, he goes on to say, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. We'll touch on that as well. Because there are certain things, sometimes, sometimes things come on us that has nothing to do with us. It's just the world we're living in. Some things that we get involved with has everything to do with what we're doing. And these things are coming on us. But we'll address both of those. But he had, he had obviously gone through some things, and God had revealed himself to him that he was both, listen, a forgiver and a healer. A forgiver and a healer. Now, there may be some here today who are fighting some kind of sickness in your body. So, so what can we learn from that phrase? He's a, he's, he forgives all my sins. 
and he heals all my diseases. Well, first of all, you can write this down somewhere. Understand this, God is a healer. Amen? God is a healer. And we know that because we see it in God's character. We see it in his character. We saw it in the lives of God's people. We saw it in, in, in his prophets. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. God used Elisha, the prophet, to bring about a healing for Naaman who had leprosy. Miraculously, he said, go, go dip in the lake. And, and, and one time he went down. Two times he went down nothing. Three times he said, go dip seven times. And the seventh time he came up. And the Bible says his skin was like baby skin. God did a miracle. He used Elijah to, 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 to raise the widow's son from the dead. The prophet Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 17, verse 14, Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are the one I praise. From the beginning, God has identified himself as a healer. Exodus 15, 26, For I am the Lord, help me somebody, that healeth thee. So healing is part of his character. But we also saw it in the ministry of Jesus, speaking of the incarnate Christ some hundreds of years earlier. The prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah 53, 5, some 700 years prior to Jesus showing up on the scene. He said, but he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes, so by his wounds, he says, we were healed. How many remember, how many lashes did Jesus, Jesus take with that cat of nine tails? 30, 39, 40 minus one, 39 lashes where they took a, where they took a whip with, with uh, metal pieces and glass and they whipped it into his back and pulled it out. And every whip he took, he bled. Now someone smarter than me did the, found out that there are 39 basic diseases that all the other diseases come from. And Jesus took a stripe for every single one of them. Amen. Come on, somebody. Now, what did Jesus spend a lot of time doing when he stepped on the scene? He, he was healing the sick and the lame. He opened blind eyes and deaf ears. He even healed through the casting out of demons, as we just read, who were the source of a lot of the illnesses in the day. From his prison cell, we are told that John the Baptist sent word to Jesus asking, Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah, or should we look for someone else? In Luke chapter 7, verse 20, John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Now listen to Jesus' response. And at that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. And then he told John's disciples, go back to John. And tell them what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. What was Jesus doing in his response to John's disciples? He was listing his resume, if you will, as seen by the prophet Isaiah, again, describing the Messiah some 700 years earlier before he even arrived on the scene. Isaiah 61, 1, this is what this says. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released. Captives from who? From demonic strongholds from what the enemy was doing in their lives and the prisoners to be free. 
And what was the passage that Jesus quoted when he came out of the wilderness after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and he walked into the temple and the Bible says he, he opened up the scroll to this very verse, Isaiah chapter 61, and he read to them that same verse to them. And then he closed the scroll, sat down, and as all eyes were looking at him, he says, today in your hearing this very, the, 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 the very scripture is being fulfilled. That's what he was saying. I am the one whom you we're looking for. So healing was definitely a part of Jesus' ministry. But it, was, it didn't stop with Jesus. It turned out to be a part of the ministry of the followers of Christ. In Mark chapter 16, verse 17, it says, Jesus speaking. Listen. He says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Any believers here in the house? Come on, no, it's a week. This is weak. This is a week. Any believers in the house? He said, these signs, come on, you better sit down. Oh, you are sitting down because I'm about to tell you what he says is going to follow. <laughs> those who said yes, all right? He said, so these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They shall wear Christian T-shirts and put bumper stickers on their car. They shall come to church once a week for two hours, and then go about their, their lives and just, you know, until the next Sunday, seven days later, or maybe if they have a midweek. Is that what it said? I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. Are you ready? These signs shall follow those who believe, and we've already established. Most of you said you believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Getting quiet in here. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm, it will no means harm or hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, I used to, I'm like, oh, Lord. Initially, when I first became a Christian, I was like, Lord, you know what? I, I'm reading that. I believe it, but I don't see these signs following me. Now, why do I have to say that? Because the moment I said that, oh, my goodness, things started happening in terms of, deliverances and, and tongues and the whole nine yards. But, but, but I had a deference for that part where it says, you know, pick up a, a snake, serpents. I said, Lord, we're going to have to talk about that one. Because the kids this past week, <laughs> they found a baby snake in the, outside. And then they ran in. They were excited. <laughs> Pastor Rick, because, you know, I'm working with the kids as well because I was voluntold. To, to be to, to do to do the to do the PE and as I, as they said Pastor Rick they, first they asked Dr Torres and Mrs Thompson and they said no that's a that's a Pastor Rick decision they want to know if they can keep keep the snake as a pet I, I, I said where <laughs> well in the classroom then they said Pastor Rick do you want to hold it now it was just a little thing it was just a little bit bigger than a worm I said no. Nope. And I said, listen, I appreciate your enthusiasm. However, having a pet snake in the children's department won't go over well with the church. <laughs> and if it ever got out, it would clear the church out. So whoever wants the snake can bring it home. But he said, these signs shall follow those who believe. And one of the last things he said was, they shall lay hands on the sick. And they will recover. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John encounters a crippled beggar at the temple gate called Beautiful, crippled from his mother's womb. 
And he, st- he stops, and the guy thinks he's going to get some money. He looks up. He's begging, and, and Peter and John says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give unto you in the name of Jesus. Get up. And the Bible says that crippled man who was crippled from birth got up and started dancing and giving a jig and worshiping the Lord. Come on, somebody. Acts chapter 19, verse 11, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. Even when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled or cast out. Acts chapter 28 it says, once when they were safe on, on the shore, and I understand prior to this, they were shipwrecked. The, the ship got totally, Paul was, was, going, was taken as a prisoner to, um, to go see Caesar, and on the way, the ship got demolished. He told him not to go. We've heard the story, right? And he says, nothing good is going to happen. But they didn't listen. They went anyway. Didn't listen to the man of God. While they got caught up in this tempest, he says, well, the angel of the Lord visited me again and said, you're going to lose everything, but all the lives are going to be spared. And that's exactly what happened. They got shipwrecked. The ship was gone. All the tackle was gone. But every single man got off that boat. Now, once they were safe on the shore, he says, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy. So they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt, though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. Now understand what's happening. They thought this man just barely got out of the ocean by the skin of his teeth, and as he's coming on, they're making fire, he's putting a a stick on the fire, and a snake comes out, attaches itself. They know this snake is poisonous. So they're talking about karma. Karma is basically taking place. He escaped the sea, but justice is is coming his way, and he's going to die. He must have been a murderer or something. Watch, watch. Verse 5, but Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. Come on, somebody. Now, that just went off in my spirit in a profound way because there are people in your life that's looking at you and your circumstances, and they're expecting things to take you out. And these are things that the enemy might have even devised to take you out. This, they are that old serpent, the snake, and it looks like it's been attached to you. I want to say to you, shake it off. Shake it off. Come on, somebody. Just by faith, shake it off. Shake it off. Hallelujah. Now watch this. He shook it off into the fire. Listen, listen. Paul shook it off into the fire and was unharmed, verse 6, and the people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead because that's what happened whenever this snake did something. But when they, when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Now people are going to be looking at you too and say, wait, that thing should have taken you out. But there's something going on with this guy. Something going on with this girl. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Lord told me one time, I was getting attacked left and right, and the Lord told me in my spirit, he said, he said, Ricky, that's what he calls me. <laughs> he said, I have prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Come on, somebody. 
I'm going to raise you up, and they're going to be looking, and those things that they thought were sure going to take you out, <laughs> it's going to be a testimony to the fact that something's going on in your life. And they're going to be like, well, what's going on? People are going to say, what's going on with you? Because God has blessed you, and he's seen you through whatever you're going through. Amen? They thought he was a God, little g, because everybody, everybody died. But he didn't die. He just shook it off. I'm telling you, whatever you're going through that attack, shake it off. Just shake it off by faith because it ain't going to take you out. Amen? Amen. Verse 7, near the shore where he landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief of official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went, into, went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we, we would need for the trip. The question again is, is, still, is God still healing today? Is he still healing today? Now, for the next few moments, I'm going to just identify five ways that I know God's healing. We covered this before, but I'm going to sort of remind you of how God heals today. First of all, he heals through natural creation. Write that down, natural creation. Because if I ask any of you, if you ever experienced a healing from God, maybe a lot, some of you would raise your hand, but most of you wouldn't. And I'm telling you that that's just not true because we all have experienced a healing from God because God has set it up for this body to naturally heal. Where are my nurses in the house? Come on, somebody. If you get cut, what happens? Your blood clots, and then all of a sudden this thing scabs over, and then eventually, guess what? You heal up. If you break a bone, get... What do they do? They, they reset the bone, they put it back, and what happens? It automatically starts to heal itself. God put that in you, amen? And so, and so the doctors today and the nurses, they know they, they're just going to agree with what God is doing and try to get your body back in line with what the healer has done, the creator has done, so that you can find health. So there's, there's healing through, 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 natural, through natural creation. That, the second way is you can be healed by getting right spiritually, by getting right spiritually. And this is a big one. Because when we get right in our heart and our spirit, it can and will affect our outer body. The Bible doesn't say that all sickness is a result of sin. And Jesus made that clear to the disciples when they asked who sinned that this man was born blind. Remember that story? And Jesus said it has nothing to do with his sin or his parents' sin. It was so that the glory of God could be displayed in him because God was going to do something miraculous in his life. And so some people think that all, all sickness is a result of sin. It's not true. But having said that, there are some situations that, that is connected to sickness. We see that in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. It says, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you are falling asleep. Understand that that cup represents the new covenant in which God has established to God's people. The, the old covenant was established through Abraham and Moses, okay, uh, 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 through blood. God gave Abraham a covenant 
uh, of circumcision. That's where the Jews come out of. Circumcise all the males in your house, not just the ones that, that are your offspring, but all the servants. And this became the, the covenant. And then Moses came along and, and, and reestablished that covenant. And then the Bible says, Jesus comes along. He says, a new covenant I give you, a new command. He says, rend your heart, not your garments. The circumcision that I'm looking for is a circumcision of your heart. Come on, somebody. I, I want you to, 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 not, to give your heart to me. All right? And once I start to get right spiritually with my heart, a lot of other things in my life starts to line up. Amen? And so there are people who are dealing with dominant illnesses today because of stress and anxiety and pressures. They're hanging on to secrets. They're, carry, they're carrying around shame. Uh, they're burdened down with guilt. Or they're given to excesses, i.e. drugs and alcohol and sex addictions and so on. And when you finally give your heart to the Lord, when you finally establish that covenant with, with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in your heart, circumcision of your heart, those things start to lift and to go away in your life because now you, there's a new master in you. Amen? And he starts to lead you away from the things that are binding you up and hurting you and, and causing uh, pain in your life. So God will heal through natural creation and he will heal through spiritual renewal. And if you're here today and you haven't surrendered your life completely to him, you haven't circumcised your heart, we're going to give everyone an opportunity to do that. Because that's going to be the beginning of your healing process in God. Amen? And then God heals through gifted people. Gifted people. God gives people with talents and abilities to heal, like doctors and nurses. And the best doctors, again, will tell you that they're just part of the healing process. People like Ben Carson. You know who that guy is? Ben Carson. No one knows who he is. He was considered one of the greatest neurosurgeons in the world. He performed the first successful separation of conjoined twins who were attached at the back of the head. The operation, which took place in 1987, lasted some 22 hours, involved a 70-member surgical team. Carson also refined a technique known as the hemispherectomy, in which one half of the brain is removed to prevent seizures in people with severe epilepsy. But if you talk to this man, he's alive today. He attributes every single one of his gifts and abilities and his successes to God. Every single one of them, he attributes them to God. And so God can and does use gifted people in that way. Now, having said that, the Bible says that God also supernaturally gifts some people in the body of Christ, like the Apostle Paul and others. So supernatural means is one of the ways that God will heal today. And I honestly believe that. But when it comes to the supernatural means, you have to use discernment because we got quacks on TV that's selling, you know, water and whatever if you're sending all, all this money. How many of you know that not everything that, that glitters is gold? And we have to use discernment when it comes to these things. But I believe that God does heal that way. I've, I have seen supernatural healings personally and deliverances in my life. I've seen demons come out of people. And as a result of the demons coming out of them, the ailments that they were suffering with left them. I was a witness uh, in, in, um, in Brazil as God, as a man came to our prayer line, and God, he was deaf in one ear. And as we prayed for him, he fell to the ground, got up, and his ear was opened. I saw this. 
Okay, I saw these things take place. I've, I've seen people on their deathbeds recover with no other explanation than God. A few years ago, I was called to, to, by one of my mom's friends that she worked with. Their mother was dying in the hospital. And I was heading out of town, and I said, listen, I have, they were asking, can I please come? Can I please go? But I was heading out of town. I was on the road. I said, no, I'm not going to be able to make it, but I'll call the prayer team, and we'll be, we will be praying. And as I was heading down, I think it was 95 up north, the Spirit says to me, uh, you need to go. And so I turned around. I said, okay, I turned around. And no one was expecting me because I already told them no. I walked into the hospital. They were all shocked that I, that I got there. And the whole family was there because they were, because, you know, the mom was dying. And so everyone was there in the hospital. And so I go in, and these aren't even church folks. They're not church folks. They were my mom's friends from her work. And who asked her to please have the pastor come. And so I go into the hospital, and I, and I get around, and, and I walk, walk into the room, and then everybody walks into the room. And now I've got this big old audience. And then I, I just ministered to her, see if she knew the Lord. She, she didn't. We said a prayer about that. And then I just said a simple prayer. And everyone said amen. And I turned, I walked out, and I, and, and I laughed. Okay, the words and that. And so the next call that I'm expecting is, okay, Pastor Rick, you, you came in and prayed with my mom. She's going home to be with the Lord. Can you officiate the funeral? That's the next thing I'm expecting. But that's not the next call I got. The next call I got was, hallelujah. She, she, mom is getting better. And, 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 she, and she got out of the hospital. Oh, by the way, Pastor Rick, we come into church. Listen. And the whole entourage walked through that door. And when she saw me at the back door, the mother, the, the mother looked at me and said, that's him. That's the one who healed me. And I went like this. <laughs> what? What? You, you're the one. I said, no, I, didn't, I didn't heal you. Let me clear you in or something. <laughs> when we were in Brazil, <laughs> it was so funny. Because we were invited to go with a ministry <laughs> Uh, Randy Clark Ministry. I had, no, I had no idea who this guy was, except that there was a church that asked if we have uh, people who are willing to go, and they'll pay for it. It was $3,500 a person. They paid for eight of us to go to Brazil on a mission trip to minister. Well, apparently, this ministry was a healing ministry. And when we got there, they gave us a class on healing for about four hours. And then that night, they drove us to a church. And as we got to the church, they said, oh, by the way, we told everybody that we're bringing in a special healing team from the United States <laughs> to pray for them for healing. Now, I brought eight. There was about 30 of us or 40 of us on the bus. And as I'm walking off the bus, someone said to me, Pastor Rick, uh, you're... you're you need to go talk to your daughter, Dr. Tortoise. Uh, she's having a bit of a, an issue. And so I go in there. I get back into the, I go back into the bus, and she's sitting in the chair. <laughs> she, she's like, Dad, did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? I said, yeah, yeah, what? what? He said that we're the healing team. <laughs> and these people who are sick, they're expecting us to heal them. I mean, and we just got here. And we only had three, four hours of instructions. 
I said, Amanda, you prayed for people before. She said, yeah, but these people expect to get healed. I said, Amanda, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do what we always do. Because this, this is what I learned a long time ago. If I pray for someone and they get healed, I don't take the credit. And if I pray for someone and they don't get healed, I don't take the blame. God called me to lay hands on the sick and pray for people. And to God be the glory if, if they get healed. But if they don't, I'm not taking the blame either. So I said, you come... And apparently she was the voice of many of the people in my group. Because <laughs> I said, just come stand by me. And so the guy, they did their music, and then they did their preaching, and at the end they called up the healing team from America. <laughs> and we all stood up front. And they, the, they advertised, we're healing the sick. That place was filled with sick people. And they flooded the altar. In Jesus' name, be healed. And all of a sudden, something hit that place. The body started hitting the floor. Boom! I mean, laying out and people getting healed left and right. Nobody was more shocked than us. (laughs) I said, look at God, look at God, look at God. And for 10 days, church to church, that's exactly what happened. I said, look at God, man. He used even silly people, people with little faith. He wasn't blessing our faith. He was blessing the faith of the people who were coming. Amen. And so to God be the glory. But we remember that. We don't take the credit. We don't take the blame. We just do what God calls us to do. And so God, I believe, is still in the healing business And ultimately, if they don't get healed, because I'm not going to pretend to tell you everyone I pray for gets healed, some of them go home. But we believe that that is the ultimate victory in healing. Amen? According to what the Bible says, especially if they die in Christ, Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Sometimes I'm asked, why doesn't God heal? Why does he heal so many, doesn't heal others? And why was Peter supernaturally delivered? And John the Baptist, who sent the disciples to ask if he's the one, or should we look for another, he never made it out of that prison cell. He was beheaded. Why did James go to his grave and Paul and Silas get a pass? And my honest answer is always the same. I don't know. I don't know why some get healed and some don't. Some get delivered and some don't. But I do know this, that the the God that we serve is a good God. Amen? And I remember... The words that he told John the Baptist in the prison, 
the very last thing he said to him, tell the disciples, but tell them also this. Tell them the lame walk and the blind see and the deaf hear and the dead are raised. You tell him that my resume is exactly what the prophet Isaiah saw when he declared in Isaiah 61 that this is what was going to happen, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me and, and he's anointed me to preach good news. The good news is being preached to the poor and all these things. And, and then he added this last caveat in Matthew chapter 11, verse 6. He said, blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Because there's no other way for the, through, for the covenant of salvation to be brought to us except through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. He's the only way. In other words, we may or may not understand everything that comes into our life. But we have to trust that God is a deliverer and he's a healer and that he's faithful to his word and he will do the things in his time and in his way. Psalms 103, 2 says, Praise the Lord, I tell myself, and never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals, even if it's the ultimate healing all my diseases. Now, with that said, it's not wrong to go to God first. It's not wrong to go to him if you need a miracle or healing. In fact, you should. You should go to God even before you go to the doctors or the therapists. And God may use a combination of methods to bring about a healing and a miracle. He may, he's not opposed to doctors. I say Go. He may use some kind of combination. He may give you a miracle. But you need to put your trust in him. James chapter 4 verse 14. As we come to a close, he says this. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up, and if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Come on, somebody. And so even if this is a situation that you've brought onto yourself, God says, I've got nothing but love for you. And that if you would come to me with a circumcised heart, uh, you'll be forgiven, and there's healing for you as well. And so as we, I can't do a message on healing without open up the altar for the opportunity to be healed and understand that Jesus was a healer but that wasn't his be all and end all and it wasn't even the focus of his ministry that wasn't his point he says if I do all these things by the hand of God then the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is upon you see what's happening Healing was what God used as a sign to tell us who he was and what he'd come to do. Jesus said, the Son of Man comes, listen to me, to seek and save the lost. That's why he came, to establish a new covenant, a new relationship with the Father, because he loves us and he knows we can't save ourselves. And so he sent his Son to pay for the sins that are in our lives so that we can come into relationship with him 
and the Father. What does it matter if he heals your body, but you haven't surrendered your heart? What does it matter if you go into eternity <laughs> with a whole body and split hell wide open? Jesus said that. What does it matter if you gain the whole world and get everything you ask for, but in the end you lose your soul? You've heard me say it before. If all your life is just about what you can get here, you've aimed low. And you're going to hit your target. And God is always asking us, calling us, wooing us to a higher relationship. He wants relationship with you. He says, my sheep know my voice and they listen. And so, yes, do I believe God still heals today? Yes. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is not the outward thing that takes place in your life. The most important thing is what you do with your heart. Have you surrendered your heart to God? Have you recognized that apart from him, you're going to go into a crisis eternity? And that's why he says, for God so loved the world. And I always like to say, let's take it down from the world. The world is a big place. We sang about it. He's got the whole world in my hand, and then, and then Dr. Torres brought it down from the world, so he's got my, he's got my family in, in my hand. He's got my children in my hand. Listen, he's got you in his hand. For God so loved you, for God so loved me, that he gave his one and only son, that if I believe in him, he says, I will not perish but I will have eternal life. And that come what may in this life, whatever happens, and whether I get the miraculous healing or if I don't, I will eventually get my ultimate victory because I will be spending eternity with the Father in a place where there is no more pain or sickness or death or sorrow or mourning because all that stuff is going to pass away. To God be the glory. Amen? Amen? And so my question to you today is, have you surrendered your heart? And if you haven't, before we open up this altar for prayer, I'm going to ask certain people to come forward for the, for the prayer line. Matter of fact, you can start making your way down. Um, uh, Pastor Steve and Miss Hazel. Different people come on down for the prayer line. But if you haven't yet surrendered your life to Jesus, it would be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer. That's the most important thing. I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and to close their eyes and to say something like this from your heart. First of all, If you want to ask Jesus to come into your life, say something like this. Say, Heavenly Father, I humble myself today. I acknowledge that I, I have sinned. I haven't always done what's right. And I ask you to forgive me. I thank you for loving me so much 
that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And that because he lives, I shall live. Today, I'm saying yes to that new covenant, that new agreement that you purchased in your blood. Come into my life. Come into my heart. From this day forward, Lord, I give you free rule and free reign. Be my Savior and my Lord. Forgive me for the things that I've done to offend you. I surrender my heart today. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, just slip up your hand. Say, Pastor Rick, I pray with you today. Just slip it up. Is there anybody? If you recommitted your life today, I see your hand. If you recommitted your life as well, slip your hands up. That's good. God sees your hand. God sees your hand. You can put your hands back down. And so, Father, you, oh, if you're listening online, listen, God sees you. I don't need to see you. God sees you. You just surrender your heart to him. It's not that complicated. You put your faith in what he's done. Everyone look up at me just for a moment. For those who raise your hand, today the Bible says it's a brand new beginning in your life, especially for those who've recommitted or recommitted their lives to Christ. God is not someone who's trying to beat us up. He's trying to lift us up. Amen? He's trying to bring newness into our life. And there's things that will just fall off your life if you would start to follow after him with all your heart. He's got good things for you. And let me encourage you that if you prayed and received that, you let people know. Do not be a closet Christian. Jesus says, if you confess me before man, I'll confess you before the Father. He said, but if you deny me before man, act like you don't know me. There's going to come a day when we stand before the Father. He said, you acted like you didn't know me here. I won't know you there. And so it's important to acknowledge that I am a believer. Anybody not ashamed to say I'm a believer in the house again, just throw your hands up. Throw your hands up. I, I, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.